0: My name is Kevin Palmer and I grew up in Montgomery. Um, I grew up in a family that went to church every Sunday. We were there every time the doors opened. Uh, So I grew up going to church my whole life. And when I was in high school, I had an experience in church that disappointed me and hurt me a little bit. So I quit going. So when I was 14, um, me and a friend of mine got a guitar and I fell in love with music. Played in bands from the time I was 14 all the way through high school, all the way through my 20s. It's just been a passion of mine for as long as I can remember. I was very focused on this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be a musician, I want to be successful, I want to play music for a living, it sounded like a dream. In my mid-twenties, um, we actually got a record deal to a small an indie label out of Washington, D.C. and I thought that, man, this is it, my dreams are coming true. So we made a record um, and we started a tour. We had a van and we toured and I was just on, you know, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Um, but it didn't take long longer the tour before I realized that I was unfulfilled, I was so empty. So, at that point, I rationalized to myself that if I can just get on a major record label, if I could just get a little bit bigger, then I'll be completely happy. Um, Because there was this void in my life. In uh, 2001, we got signed to a major record label. Our first record came out. um, We sold 78,000 records the first week, and it debuted at number 11 on the Billboard. And everyone around me was just like, "You've done it! You know, this is amazing! You know, look what you've done!" And temporarily, you do feel like, wow, like my dreams are coming true, this is all happening. But every time I'd reach another plateau, it would quickly kind of fade off, and I would find myself back in the same place, feeling, um, for lack of a better word, feeling lost. So we went to make our second record, and it's so crazy to me now, looking back, because 90% of the lyrics on that second record are about me feeling lost, and feeling empty, and feeling like a shell of who I used to be. The success eventually kind of tapered off, but we continued to tour. um, And then the touring started to take its toll on my family life and personal life. And I just realized that no matter how much I tour and how much I do this, it's not gonna bring me happiness. And then in the summer of 2011, I walked away. So after I stopped touring, I found myself in a really scary place because I was as lost as I'd ever felt I'd spent my entire life chasing this dream. It had been everything that I'd ever thought about. And here I was in my mid-30s. I had no idea what I was going to do. I felt completely lost. And it was the first time that I ever thought to myself, there's got to be a purpose to my life. One night, my wife and I were having a conversation. I was feeling empty. um, But there was also something missing from our life, our relationship. We were living life, but there was something missing. We both knew it. And that's the first night we talked about that we didn't have God in our life. We decided that night that we were gonna go to church. And the ironic thing is, is at three different times on that week, we were invited to go to Center Point. We were not ready for what we got. That, truthfully, that first Sunday just blew us away. It felt like um, that the message was outlined and written specifically for us. It felt like the music was chosen and sung to us. It was, it was a big Sunday for us. We didn't stop talking from the time we got in the car for a week. I mean, we talked and talked and talked and talked about God, about what had been missing from my life. It was just, uh, it was an emotional experience. And it was, it was awesome because for the first time, I felt alive, you know. So, my wife and I joined CenterPoint. We've been going now for almost a year and a half. Um, Our lives have completely changed. Our relationship has completely changed. And I've learned so much about myself and about my purpose since I've been here. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still on the journey. I believe, I truly believe, that we all are born with talents and strengths. We all have different talents and different strengths. And when we, Chase those, those passions or chase them like I was, kind of for myself. It was about me, you know. But when that intersects with God's purpose and it's about Him, discovering that has been so fulfilling and life changing. I can't really explain it. It's just been amazing. I used to be singing about being lost, and now I'm singing about being found. <laughs>
1: Well, I hope you're applauding that. I want to welcome the folks who are watching via video of Pike Road. I hope you're applauding there too. Um, we want to center lives on Christ here at Center Point. It's our little tagline below our name. Whenever you see it, centering lives on Christ. And that's what we think a centered life looks like. People are lost or found. People with no purpose find meaning and purpose. In fact, today we're wrapping up our series that we've entitled FAQ Frequently Asked Questions. And today, I'm going to uh, wrap up with a question I'm asked all the time, and there's an outline inside your bulletin that'll kind of follow along this thought. The question is, why are we here? What on earth am I here for? And there are all kinds of questions about this. People come in all the time, people who've made a lot of money, people who've had a lot of success, people who've struggled in life and have had hard times, people who've just they're trying to do everything you're supposed to do, but it isn't feeling like they're keeping up. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses, but they don't even know where the Joneses live. And how do I know how I'm doing? And so this morning, I want to wrap up this session probably with a, a key question that all of us ask sometime or another. Why on earth am I here? I'm going to have a word of prayer for us, and then we'll begin. And uh, so would you join me with a word of prayer, please? Four word of prayer, please. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for changed lives. I thank you, Lord, that you do not want us to stumble around in the dark. And that's why you sent your son. That's why you gave us your word. That's why you give us the Holy Spirit to guide us. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you will speak and move me out of the way and remind us all of why we are here. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, if you didn't grab a pen on your way in, just raise your hand, and one of the ushers will be glad to bring one to you. Point one on answering the question, why are we here, is this, that it is, Feudal, it is foolish to think that we can find meaning and purpose meaning and purpose, in power or pleasure or things. You could add activities, you could add anything else to that list you want. But if you and I are going to try to find meaning and purpose in power or pleasure or things, or maybe through a relationship with somebody who's powerful or wealthy or whatever, uh, we're always going to be disappointed. The Bible has a definitive bookend on this, by the way, King Solomon, the wealthiest, wisest man who ever lived, uh, wrote about this. This is from Ecclesiastes 2. These are, We're kind of looking over his shoulder into his journal, um, and he explored this, and here's what he learned. Solomon wrote, I also tried to find meaning, and please circle the word meaning. He was looking for meaning. What's the meaning of life? Solomon had asked after he had become king and taken the role of king from after his father David had died, David, the same guy who had killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, great king of Israel, Solomon took over for his dad, David. And when he did, he asked God to give him wisdom. And God was pleased with that and gave him more wisdom than anybody else. And so Solomon, in all of his wisdom, tried to find meaning. And so he said, well, I tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I also enlarged herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasury of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And if you want to and if I'd stopped right there, I could go, "Hey, let's all be depressed, go in depression and leave," okay? And that would be depressing. If I stopped right here because the truth is, as you just heard a modern-day testimony that said the same thing, climbing up the billboard charts, having all the success. But every time we'd reach a new plateau, it seemed more and more hollow. I mean, we can find this in the lives of great athletes, great politicians, great actors, actresses, entertainers. They work harder and harder and harder. Corporate executives attain more and more and more. And yet all of a sudden we find out that they are deeply into drugs or they are completely lost going to psychiatrist after therapist, going, I I can't find meaning anywhere. You go, well, you must find meaning. You're doing better than the rest of us. Mm -mm. Because every time I build something up, if I look in the mirror and realize I'm aging, one day I'm going to die, and then what's going to happen to it? And why did I work so hard? And everything comes with a price. If I'm spending all my time at work or spending all my time on the road, well, I'm not spending time with the people I love. And so why am I doing this? And we all heap up massive quantities of stuff so we can store it in a box in a storage room or a climate-controlled storage room and pay other people to not look at our stuff. And then we insure it in case somebody steals the stuff that we're not using. I mean, if you think about the madness of it, yeah, we better insure that somebody might steal the stuff that we never use, and then what would we do? Because we wouldn't be able to not use it anymore. And this is really where we are. And Solomon carried it to the nth degree and he said by having more it only compounds the problem doesn't make it clearer. And so the Bible answered this and by the way at the end of his writings in Ecclesiastes he said the one thing I am sure of after he went through piece by piece section by section pleasure won't satisfy work won't satisfy power won't satisfy Money won't satisfy, nothing will satisfy. He said, I did come to one conclusion. You need to fear God and live according to his commandments. That'll bring you some peace. In fact, that's the center of it. Because God's eternal. And so we need to be connected to him. And that brings us to point two. The Bible says this, we were made by God and for God, and therefore we can find our meaning and purpose only in God. This is what the Bible claims. Here are a couple of places. I got it out of the message where it's the, that's Eugene Peterson's amplified version of the Bible. For everything, absolutely above, everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You and I will find our meaning in God, not in money, not in success, not in other people. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, we ha- he had his eye on us. And he had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and everyone. And the Bible declares that the God of heaven who created us, the creator God of the universe, has a purpose for each one of us, has plans for our lives, knows us by name, knows the number of hairs on our head. And he has specific things for us to do. And in a right relationship with him, he promises to show us, to reveal those things to us so we can live out our purpose and find meaning. The Bible also says that because of sin, we have left and gone our own way, and we try to find meaning on our own. And we strap on ourselves unnecessary burdens and tons of possessions, things that would only weigh us down that God never intended for us to have, and then we wonder why we live lives filled with stress and pain. Because we're out of touch with the one who made us, and we don't know our purpose. And so we go off on a mad dash, and we go around going, well, you look happy. What are you doing? Hey. You look like you're successful. How do do you get along in life? And then you find people, and they're constantly shifting their course. They get this house, and then this car, and then they go on this vacation, they take this job, and they go from job to job to job. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Perfectly good family, and one day they get to 45, and now i got to divorce my wife and go for somebody the age of my daughter. I see it. I do. We all see it. Midlife crisis is what it's called. Got to start all over again. Must have missed it. Got to find my meaning. That's what meaning is. Start all over again. And terrible pain and horrible consequences. And you go, what are you doing? Best friends come and go, what are you doing? I got to have more. And people are looking for meaning. And then some people, they just give up and drown all their sorrows in alcohol and we try to take prescriptions or whatever else to numb themselves away from the pain because they know that whatever they're doing isn't enough. It's because they're looking, what was that country's on looking for love in all the wrong places? Looking for meaning in all the wrong places? I have a marvelous quote by C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. It's on the back section of your outline. Let me read part of this for you. It starts on the... Inside the third page there, but I'd commend mere Christianity to you sometime for your reading. But here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, what Satan has put into into our heads, into the heads of our remote ancestors, is that they could invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside God and apart from God. And out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history, the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. The reason why it can never succeed is this. God made us. He invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gasoline, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other, and that's why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. That's the key to history. Terrific energy is expended, civilizations are built up, excellent institutions are devised, but each time something goes wrong. Some fatal flaw always brings the selfish and cruel people to the top, and it all slides back into misery and ruin. In fact, the machine conks. It seems to start up all right and runs a few yards, and then it breaks down because they're trying to run it on the wrong juice. That's what Satan has done to us humans. I mean, I had to read that. I just can't say it any better than that. If you and I try to find meaning in our lives saying, hey, I don't need God and I don't need to discover his purpose for me. I'm going to run my life on my own. I'm going to find success through power or pleasure. This is what Solomon was trying to do. What can I plug in that will give me meaning? And the end of it, he says, and here's the end of the matter. You need to fear God. It's the only thing that'll get, it's the only juice where our souls were designed to run on to borrow from C.S. Lewis. What are you and I running on? I mean, that's the great news we have as Christians. We can come to Christ. We can find forgiveness of our sins. We can come to Christ and we have hope everlasting of eternal life with him. People say, yeah, I want to go to heaven one day. But do you know that our relationship with Christ isn't just hope for a right relationship and meaning one day? A relationship with Christ can give our lives meaning this day. And if that's good news to you, would you say amen? And so often I meet Christians who walk around with this dour look on our face, just, oh, life is terrible. Uh. Do you believe you're going to heaven one day? Yeah. Do you believe that God has forgiven you your sins? Yeah. Do you believe that you don't have any more guilt or shame to carry around? Yeah. Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Well, I guess so. Well, then why are we so sad? One fellow told me once he looked at Christians as God's frozen chosen. Walking around, their hearts were all cold said, if you really believe this stuff, why don't you act like it? Man, what a challenge. What a great observation. Do you and I know that we are here for more than just trying to get by like the rest of the world's trying to do? We even shake our heads sometimes and go, what is driving these people? I'll tell you what's driving them. They can't find meaning anywhere. They're trying to do exactly what Solomon did. And the harder they try, the emptier it gets. The higher they climb up the charts the more hollow the success seems. And so therefore, we can find meaning and purpose only in God. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And God created us to bring him, this is point three, to bring him glory. If you want to know the ultimate purpose, I was going to say one thing, well, why are we here? Well, you and I are created to bring God glory. By glory, the biblical definition would mean honor or esteem or acclaim. My life is to bring glory, honor, and esteem and acclaim to the one who made me because I am his child. I'm created in his image. If I live my life the way that I am supposed to live, I say I am a child of the king. I want to be just like him. It brings him great honor and glory when we obey him and listen to him and follow his leading and direction for our lives because our souls weren't designed to live on anything else. For everything comes from him, Paul wrote about this in Romans eleven thirty six. 36, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. In case you're wondering where I get this. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I mean, what a challenge for us. This is why you and I could literally wake up every morning and based on that verse I just read from 1 Corinthians 10, 31, hey, whatever I do today, Lord, let it bring you glory. So when people see the way I eat, the way I drink, the way I work, they go, wow, that guy must be a follower of God. And if we're in touch with God and listening to God, he will show us how to do that. And when Kevin was talking, I hope you heard all this, that he was saying, my life has meaning now. I used to sing about how empty I was. Now I sing about how I'm found. I have joy, I have purpose. This is what God wants us to live out in front of our unbelieving friends and neighbors and when they're chasing dollar after dollar and applause after applause and it gets more and more hollow and the machine conks everybody's looking around like I said everybody's looking around hey what are you running on what are you running on what are you running on we're all looking for that well we got the right fuel we've got a relationship with God himself and that's possible through Jesus and the whole world is dying for this And so it matters that we know our purpose. And it's very important that you and I understand the purposes for which we bring, or how we bring God glory. And that brings us to point four. We bring God glory by fulfilling the purposes he has for which he has created us. Our purpose is to bring God glory, but underneath that, well, how do I do it? Well, there was a book written uh, about 20 years ago, 32 million copies of it were sold. It was called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Anybody here ever read it? Just curious. Okay, a bunch you have. It's been re-released with a new title just a few months ago, and it's called now. They've retitled it as, What on Earth Am I Here For? The Purpose Driven Life. If you've never read this, this is a life-changing book. It's a life-changing book. I mean, he built a biblical case for everything I'm talking about today. And so the next few points are borrowed from that book under, under point four here, my, my talking points here. Jesus was the one who said, by the way, I brought you glory here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. He was the one person who got that right. I wish I could tell God every day, Lord, today I brought you glory. I did everything you told me to do. Um, that doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, there was that little bit about really getting mad about the guy who cut me off in traffic, Lord. Yeah, that wasn't quite the way you wanted me to handle that. There was the part where I didn't follow through on that promise. Of me. I could go on and on, Okay. We all have illustrations of that. But Jesus was the perfect model of this. And when he did that, even when he died on the cross, he said, it's finished, I came here, I accomplished the purposes for which I was sent. And Rick Warren builds a very solid case in this book about how you and I can bring God glory in our lives, and he gives us five dimensions, and these are listed for you under point four here, where you and I can bring God glory and accomplish the things for which we were sent, for which we were placed here. First of all, you and I can bring God glory by worshiping him. We can. We can. Scripture says so, First Chronicles 16, 29. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Jesus was once asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And when you and I worship the Lord, we are accomplishing something for which we were created. We were created to have a right relationship with Him. And when we sing His praises and we give Him glory with our own lips... There is something that all the way through us that allows us to connect. It's what you saw in that video. When we're singing the praises to God the way we should, it's amazing. I invited a friend of mine to come to one of our worship services once who hadn't been to church ever much in his life, a couple of times in his life, and he kind of observed our worship. And I said, well, what did you think? And he said, well, the singing, it's kind of like group Christian karaoke, right? I mean, you kind of put the words up there and everybody kind of sings along. And I said, wow. Wow. Never thought about it like that, but I guess that's the way it is. He goes, but why do you do it? And I said, well, it's much more than karaoke. I mean, we weren't just up there singing, you know, some song that we picked off a top 40 list or something like this by the Beatles or somebody else. We were singing songs to worship God. And when we do those things, it's not just that we're singing the song. It's that we are communicating to God a deep desire in our hearts. And when we do that, the worship fulfills a need in us. And when we sing praises with the right attitude and the right heart, not caring what anybody says or thinks or other things, I'm not singing for them anyway. I'm singing to the Lord. People walk out of here and go, I'm so glad I came today. I feel like my soul just got rejuvenated. I had, I, people grab me and say, I feel like I, I'm a thirsty man in the desert and I just stopped at an oasis. That's because we're not just singing karaoke We are accomplishing, it is one of the purposes for which we're created. It's the juice we're meant to run on and it satisfies us in a way that nothing else can. And so the reason we sing songs and the reason we lift up the name of the Lord is when we do that, we go, oh, this is what I'm longing for. You and I are created for this. And that's why Christians we need to gather for worship. We can, we can worship God at home, but when we do it together too, it's like we can, we can do even better. But we're created to worship God. That's one purpose for why we're here. And when we do that, we'll find meaning. Whether we can sing well or not. I don't particularly sing that well. My wife always laughs because I have a choice of either singing or clapping. I can't do both (laughs) of it. It's another story. Anyway, we'll go along. Uh, But we also bring God glory. Here's a second uh, purpose, and Warren brings this out. We bring God glory by spreading the good news. Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You want to experience God's power in your life? You'll experience the power when you worship him. You'll experience meaning and satisfaction. You'll also experience power in your life when you open your mouth and you are asked by a friend, hey, what do you believe about God? And you explain it. I can't tell you how many times people come to me. They come to my office, they sit down and go, I just told somebody about Jesus. It was the first time in my life. It's like nothing I've ever felt before. I felt like words were given to me to explain it. This is amazing. I feel like I was meant to do that. I go, You were. As God's grace reaches more and more people, if you flip your outline over, 2 Corinthians 4.15, Paul talks about this. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more, finish it for me, glory. We were put here to glorify God. We glorify God with our lips in worship. We glorify God when we share the good news because now other people come too, and now they are praising him. And if we're created for glory, we've just created more glory. We've doubled it. And there's an instant connection. Hey, that was good. I did something very good here. You want to make a parent cry? You want to bring tears in my eyes? Just ask me to recount when I've prayed with my sons when they've asked Jesus Christ to come into their lives. That'll do it. I was a part of something here. There's meaning. There's purpose here. The third thing, we, you and I can bring God glory by becoming like Jesus. You can write spiritual maturity after that, growing in our faith. And the Lord makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Jesus accomplished everything that God wanted him to do on earth. The more you and I become like Jesus, the more we bring him honor. It's kind of like we're reflecting God's face in a dark world. Reflecting the light of God. And now just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and the truth you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness and that brings God glory. As we become more and more like him, we reflect his glory more and more. As we become more and more like him, we can worship better because we have a better understanding and a better perspective on how great he is. As we tell more people about him, now they can worship too. As we grow and mature, we surrender more and more of our lives. We become more and more like Jesus. And people even look at us and go, hey, what's your deal? Some of you have had that recently. A coworker, a family member said, you're a different person than you used to be. I expected you to explode. And you gave me a kind answer. Are you sick? No, I got Jesus. I remember when I had to break off relationships with drinking buddies in college and they'd come and ask me about the third or fourth time they asked me if I got drinking and I said no and couldn't go. They said, "Okay, tell us what happened. Why don't you want to go out anymore?" Got different priorities. I'm a Christian. People notice that and it brings God glory as we grow. Our priorities change and our lives reflect joy where there used to be worry and stress. Our lives reflect peace. Our lives reflect kindness where there used to be anger. And that pleases God and gives us meaning. And we walk away from those encounters where all of a sudden somebody says that and we go, Hey, I remember talking to my wife or talking to my kids and they've come and they said, Hey, Dad, somebody said this about me today. And I go, Well, good for you. You're reflecting God a little more. Every day. That's why we're here, to bring Him glory. We bring God glory by serving others with our gifts and abilities. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 4. Do you have the gift of speaking? Well, then speak as though God Himself were speaking to you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to you to God through Jesus Christ. You and I can bring glory to God by worship. You and I can bring glory by sharing our faith. You and I can bring glory by growing and maturing. And you and I can bring glory when we serve others. The world will tell us, no, 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 you need to hoard stuff for yourself. It's all about you. And what's great is the opening statement in Rick Warren's book is, it's not about me. That's kind of the earth-shattering thing. When you come to Christ, you realize it's not about me. Would you repeat that statement with me, please? It's not about me. One more time. It's not about me. Would you say it to the person next to you? It's not about me. Now turn to him and say, it's not about you either. Tell him that. It's not about you either. (laughs) It's not. Do you know why God put me here? He put me to bring him glory. How can I bring him glory? By serving you. By serving others. You and I can all participate in this. And there's a joy with that. And there's a great joy. I remember we had a work day last January for some folks on a homeless shelter and things. We spent all day working in the dust, and it was hard and hot and other things. And people at the end of it, they went, man, when can we do this again? This was great. Yeah, work all day for free? Sure. I mean, people looking at it from the outside would go, why on earth would that be satisfying? People come away from a mission trip. They've been on vacations all around the world, stayed at great places, eating fabulous food. They go on a mission trip, and they... Stay in a small room and it's hot and the food isn't very good, and there's all kinds of travel delays and other things. And they come back and go, That was the best trip of my life. Did we slip them chemicals to make them have mood altering <laughs> feelings? Mm-mm. We just allowed them to serve others in the name of Jesus, and they discovered the purpose for which they are here to bring God glory, not to eat food for themselves. Finally, you and I bring God glory by loving each other. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so God will be given. Finish it for me. Glory. It brings God glory when I forgive you and you forgive me. And people look at us and go, hey, why would you ever forgive that person? Jesus forgave me. Wow, I'm reflecting God. I'm bringing him honor and esteem by the way I talk and the way I live. So now Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. This was the night before he was crucified. Jesus told the disciples, your love for one another will prove, that the wo- prove to the world you are my disciples. In other words, when we love each other and serve each other and forgive each other and put each other's needs ahead of our own, man, everybody goes, wow, you, you look like Jesus. You must be connected to God. You found meaning and purpose in your life that I've never found. How do you get that? and real quickly then i want to summarize and say that knowing our purpose therefore matters here are three reasons why knowing our purpose prepares us for eternity paul said at the end of his life as for me my life has already been poured out as an offering to god the time of my death is near i fought the good fight i finished the race i have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me the crown of righteousness with the lord which the lord the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. When you and I understand why we're here, and we understand that meaning cannot be found and purpose cannot be found through wealth or pleasure, but by serving others and worshiping God and growing and becoming like him and loving others with a genuine love that comes from God himself, well, then we can expect a reward in heaven. It prepares us for eternity because we say life here on earth isn't just what it's about there's eternity. It also gives us focus. a point B. Knowing our purpose gives us focus then. Well, there's more to life. I'm here for God and I have an eternal life, not just this life, so I better live accordingly. And so knowing our purpose gives us focus. Paul said, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He also wrote to the Corinthians, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs But only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And underline the last phrase here, so I run with purpose in every step. Hey, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for God. I'm not here just to consume. I'm here to bring God glory. It's not about me at all. It's about Him. He comes first, and the second commandment is to love my neighbor as myself. Francis Chan is pretty well known for an illustration of a rope. And uh, he said, imagine if this rope represents a timeline of my life and the rope is 5,000 miles long. This is my life in eternity. I'm going to live for billions and billions of years. And he says, imagine if this little part right here is my life on earth. This is 80 years. We are told by everybody we know in these 80 years, hey, the first 65 of it, you better work your tail off to save up enough money so you can really enjoy this much. And if you're a Christian and you're giving away money to poor people instead of hoarding it for yourself, you're crazy. you got to stack up all you can so you can enjoy this part. And Francis Chan goes, because we're Christians, we don't do that. We tell people who are doing that, you're crazy because we're storing up rewards For this part, if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. This is how upside down it is when you come to Christ. And that's why Solomon couldn't find any meaning. He's looking for all the meaning that this can give. And he discovered this isn't what we're intended for. I'm not intended. My soul wasn't intended to live for 80 years on earth. I will live for 80, 90, 100 years, whatever the Lord gives me on earth, maybe less but my soul will live on forever. And so I have a different perspective and a different focus on everything. And that brings us to the last point you outlined. Knowing our purpose gives us peace. Without knowing this, without knowing that God created me, without knowing there are purposes for my life, that I have a purpose to glorify God and that he has shown us through his scripture how to do that, Well, I I can worry myself sick. And like I said, people are doing this. Hey, you look happy. Hey, you look successful. Hey, you look like you're doing something. What are you doing? I'll try that for a while. But when we find God, we find peace. And that's why you find people, they don't have much money. They don't have much fame. But they're not worried about any of it. And they've got peace. Because they're living their purpose for this not this. The Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you which path to take. If we understand that we are gods and we follow him, well, there's purpose and meaning by the bucketful. I just want to say in light of our whole series here, this is why we talked about the fact that we're not here by accident. And there is a creator. And people ask me all the time, well, does it matter? Do I have to believe in that? Well, yeah. Because if, there, if God didn't create you, if we just got here by accident, then your life is an accident. And if there is no God who's an eternal God, who's given you an eternal soul, well, then this isn't true. And there is no meaning for why you're here. And you better just chase after whatever you think is the best. Let each man do what's best in his own eyes. Good luck. But if there is a God, and there is, and he sent his son to die on the cross, which he did, and he became one of us and communicated clearly what our purposes are, and he's shown us how to bring him glory, then why on earth would I want to continue living in futility and foolishness? I want to focus on eternal life, real life. And so do you. When a person comes to Christ, that's the surrender. Am I going to keep running my own way with a mad dash trying to figure out how to make the most of this? Or am I going to surrender my life to you because, Lord, you're going to take care of my soul forever? Not just after I die, but you can give me purpose and meaning while I'm here. And that's what it means to say, Jesus, I want you to save me. And I surrender to your direction for my life because you are my Lord. I just didn't even know it. I was running my life on my own, and I ran that sucker right into the ground. I'm going to pray for us this morning and ask God to guide us. But there's a point of surrender, and we're going to have to ask ourselves, am I living like the world does, working my tail off for all these years so I can enjoy this much? Or am I going to live trusting the Lord and saying, Lord, whatever time you give me here, I want to serve you the best I can and bring you glory. So I can enjoy the rewards you have for me forever. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you because it's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste tomorrow. I don't want to waste today. I want to have the right focus. I don't want to spend my life trying to be rich and famous and successful. How much money is enough anyway? But, Lord, if I get connected to you and I worship you with all my heart, I can bring you glory. And, Lord, if I tell others about your great goodness, then they can bring you glory, too, and you'll receive even more. And, Lord, if I spend my time devoted to you and I study your word and I hang around your people and I listen and I pray, Lord, you'll grow me up to be like you so I can reflect you even better in this dark world where people need to know how we're supposed to live. And that'll bring you glory. And if I serve others, Lord, instead of just always serving myself, that'll bring you glory. And God, if I love others and forgive others and think of people's needs and pray for them, oh, Lord, it brings you glory because you're just love like that. Oh, God, I want to have a life that matters. Forgive me for wasting so many years. Forgive me for wasting so much time holding grudges, watching TV, Demanding entertainment and people serve me. Forgive me, Lord. None of those things brought me meaning, they only brought me frustration. So, Lord, I want to follow you. I surrender my life completely to you, Lord. Take it all. Guide me. I'm yours. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the only one who lived life perfectly. Make us more like him every day. Amen.